All right, I want to invite up Oleg and Marina Rutke and his family, uh, and they're going to be sharing tonight. And we're going to, the family's all on parade all the time, so we appreciate you being willing to be on parade and visit. So uh, Oleg, and then, come on up, Oleg. Uh, yeah, you guys can come up. And then we have, let's see, Esther, Karina, Mark, followed by Sophia and Marina. Let me turn that on for you. And, uh, and so I'm going to give you the rest of the time. Uh, I think I got everybody's name in order, and proper, right? Okay, excellent. So uh, Oleg, I had dinner with you and Marina and Sophia on Tuesday night. Really wonderful time speaking with you, hearing what God's doing uh, in Moldova along with all those Eurasian countries. Um, and it's very exciting to see somebody so passionate for the gospel and also just how you were able to shift and start with aid work for the Ukraine. And of course, your wife is Ukrainian, uh, correct? And wh what part of Ukraine is your wife from? I'm from the south of Ukraine, Nikolaev. Mm -hmm. yeah. And is your family still there? I have my cousins there. Still. And how are they doing? Not very good. They're okay? They're okay, yes. They're safe. But the city where I lived, it's bombed every day. Oh, it's bombed every day. Every day, yes. Uh, it's quite terrible. Well, um, we're excited to hear about what you're doing and what your family's doing, all the ministry that you guys are involved in. And uh, Lord willing, we'll get to be involved in it too. Now, I do want to say this. Um, we are going to take a love offering tonight for Oleg. Uh, so in the memo portion, just put new hope. And we'll know exactly what to send that to, and we'll get that over to him. Uh, so you can just drop those in offering boxes on the side. Uh, pray about that. Let the Lord uh, kind of direct your giving. And, um, but we want to do that just as a, a good love offering for you guys. So I'll give the rest thank of the time you, to you. Thank you. I'd like to thank my family. Thank you so much uh, for um, the opportunity that we can share. Um, and I'd like to, uh, Marina. If you don't mind, just to sit closer to me here. Thank you so much. I, I always look at those beautiful eyes. I need that connection, you know. Uh, I'd like to say that uh, we uh, come from the country of Moldova. That's where we're based. It's a, the country, a country that is sandwiched between uh, Ukraine and Romania. And we've been serving the Lord in uh, Moldova, but not only in Moldova, but in the Eurasian region of uh, former Soviet Union. So, uh, like the pastor said, uh, we've been involved from Kazakhstan all the way to Romania in the Islamic countries, um, in the countries it's called the restricted world, as you know, in places where um, years ago lots of missionaries being kicked out, uh, U.S. embassies being closed, Nobody would, I mean, would be able to go in as a Westerner, but because of our Moldovan passport, uh, because of our connections to the USSR, this former Soviet uh, regime of communism and atheism, it allows us to be able to go in. By God's grace, we've been able to serve the persecuted church for uh, the last 18 years. And it's been a heart, our heart to be able to share the gospel with the people in those countries and support the local churches in the outreach, in the outreach to the next generation. We believe in reaching the next generations for Jesus. And that's what our heart is all about. 
I'd like to share with you a Bible verse today, if you don't mind. Open with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. It says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of Lord's favor. Amen. A lot of times people read this Bible verse and they kind of think about Jesus just getting into synagogue and, you know, as he opened that scroll, a book of Isaiah, and all of the eyes of the people kind of focused on him right away because they knew he's the son of Joseph. And that's what they were actually talking about. Right in the context, when you read these Bible verses, you hear them whispering, is he not the son of Joseph? How in the world he takes the courage to be able to read these Bible verses in front of all of us? So Jesus stood up and he read that and he's proclaimed, you know, these verses have been fulfilled in Christ. And because we are the children of Christ, the Spirit of the Lord is on us. He anointed us to preach the gospel. Amen? He's anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor, broken, oppressed, those who are in bondage, to heal the brokenhearted, and, you know, to proclaim the year of God's favor. Come on, look at somebody and say, hey, the Spirit of the Lord is on you. Look at somebody on the right. Look at somebody on the, re on the left. Come on. The Spirit of the Lord is on you. The Spirit of the Lord is on you. Amen. Look back and say, He anointed you to preach the gospel. Come on. He anointed you to preach the gospel. He anointed you to preach the gospel. Hey. Let's do that with, together. One, two, three. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He anointed me to preach the gospel. Amen. Preach the gospel day in and day out. Preach the gospel always. Preach the gospel with words, but also preach the gospel with deeds. Amen? And we are called to do that. When people will see our good deeds, they will glorify our Heavenly Father. That's what the Bible says about the fact in Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt and the light. And when we see, they will see your good deeds. They will glorify your Heavenly Father. Amen? Christianity in Eastern Europe, Christianity in Eurasia, in Central Asia, it's actually, you know, it's a fabric of the day, of entire life. It's Christianity is not just something for the Sunday. Christianity, the life with Christ is something that is woven in the whole fabric of the life of a Christian. As they walk, especially, you know, under persecution, under so much oppression, you know, that's something that you don't just put your Christianity on Sunday and then you leave it. It's something that you live every single day facing different situations. I'll tell you shortly about myself. Uh, I was born in a, in a communist home and a, with a father who did not believe in God, who was actually not going to church. There was no Bible in our home. Bible was not allowed at all in the nations of former USSR. So you talk about 11 time zones where Bible was prohibited. And still, in many of these countries that we serve in, Bible is not allowed to be printed. Bible is not allowed to be given. Bible is not allowed to be transported. But we do. We sneak them in our suitcases. We transport them across the borders. 
So as I was growing up in my father's home, I realized, you know, as I was playing with my neighboring kids, just, uh, you know, friends of mine, preteens, uh, one of them said, hey, Oleg, I'd like for you to meet my grandfather. I said, okay, but why my gra- your grandfather? I just want to hang out with you. Why go to your grandfather? But you know what? He said, I, I really think you're going to enjoy that. He's a cool man. So as I walked into that home, uh, I realized that Gabriel and Dusia, there's two, two people, a sweet, sweet couple, you know, they welcomed me in a very special way. I really was drawn by the way they actually, their attitude, their smile, their welcoming. It was so special to me. And then as I was developing that relationship with this couple, I realized there is a book in their home. Now, at that time, for one Bible, it was 10 years of prison. In Ukraine and in Moldova, so the gov- communist government would put you in prison for 10 years if they would find only at least one Bible in your house. So churches were not allowed. Buildings were not allowed. We were all meeting only in house churches. So going through that, I realized that there is actually a little tiny booklet. And I said, what is that? Can I have it? He says, this is the book. I'm like, what? What kind of the book? And he's like, this is a Bible. Now, I had no clue about what is a Bible. So I I was intrigued why he doesn't want to share that with me. Why he's skipping it for himself. And then I realized after Gabriel explained me a little bit more. He said, you know what? This portion of the Bible is for 200 people and we share it. So they've been actually giving, passing it from family to family. And you could have it only for that week. I said, I want it. Can I have at least a page of it? And you know what he did? He actually did that. He pulled the page and gave it to me. They were printing Bibles in the basement, in the, in, in the basement of a, just a storage in, his, in the back of his house. And in the night, students, young people were coming in into the basement about 2 a.m. through 4 a.m., about two hours in the basement, printing with a printing machine. Because smuggling them in a double wall, you know, uh, trucks or double floor in your car was impossible anymore because the communists would actually get a hold of you. So they started smuggling parts of the printing presses and printing them in there. Guys, students, with the, pr- with, with the paying, were ready to pay the price with their own life, prison, kicked out of their families and kicked out of their jobs and universities. You could not... I mean, just hard to imagine. But he gave me that page. He gave me that page. I went home, and I, I, I sneaked into the house, and I, you know, I hid this in the, in the closet under my clothes, and I said, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I hope my father will not find it. And I was taking my flashlight, you know, in the middle of the night and copying it, you know, so I copied both sides of the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1 and chapter 2, and I was like, wow, I got to go get this page back, back intact to my, my friend Gabriel. And that's what I did. But my father found that piece of paper. You know, that copy of my first and second chapter of Matthew. He burned it because he said, look, there's no way for us to have a Bible in our home and not be punished by the government for that. You know, I accepted the Lord by God's grace in, the family, in that home where Gabriel led me to the Lord. And that home was a home, a place of shelter for pastors that were coming out of prisons 27 years of prison, 30 years of prison in the northern Russia, dying for the sake of Christ. 
We lost more than 150,000 pastors who disappeared without a trace. So look at that. Understanding that environment of persecution, understanding that, you know, that culture of church being under pressure, God has put in our hearts to be able to go and serve the churches what is restricted. Now, as we've been doing this work of ministry, the Lord has been really, really blessing us to be able to, I mean, opening doors for us in countries that are surrounding us. For example, in Turkey, just on the streets of Istanbul and some of the streets of seven churches of Revelation, we were able to put more than 1.5 million New Testaments in the hands of Muslims. God is good. Praise the Lord for that. In Turkish language, in Turkish language, we were able, but you know how? We're not hiding. We are not hiding. By the way, we are taking official permission from the Turkish government. We go to the police, look in their eyes and say, we know there is a freedom of speech, kind of. But, you know, we know there is a freedom of speech and we want to ask you for permission. So we would walk in, you know, write a letter to them and they would put a signature and a stamp and give us a certain day and a certain address where we can go and distribute New Testaments. And they would bring police right there to protect us. In Turkey, where is 99.9% Muslim. In Istanbul, just across the street from Grand Bazaar, we would just stand right there. Not far from the square with the blue mosque and Hagia Sophia, you know, right there. You get on a boat to Bosphorus and you cross to, from Eminönü to, you know, uh, on another station. And we would be there with boxes, you know, just over Christmas. In two, less than two hours, 4,000 New Testaments. Turks took like hot bread. Praise the Lord. And we put, you know, the invite card to a local church. And we put, you know, a website where they can go. Yes, yes, we have local churches that we work with because we believe in the local church. It's not a one-man show. This is because the Spirit of the Lord is on us. He anointed us to preach the gospel. God is good. And He has opened some opportunities that we have never thought we're going to have. In the country of Moldova, a former Soviet Heavily atheistic country. The Lord opened some doors, amazing doors for us to be able to serve, you know, to the orphans. The running orphan, I mean, camps for orphans. Uh, fighting human trafficking among orphans. You know, and bring the gospel to them in a very unique and a very special, you know, way. That's why I have this t-shirt on me. Kids are not for sale. And they should not be. Kids are not for sale. Why I mentioned Turkey. Turkey is one of the largest hubs for human trafficking in the eastern hemisphere of the world. Lots of them from there transported, you know, because it's one of the largest ports on, you know, cross Mediterranean Black Sea. And we, we believe we got to work as much as we can as churches to win these generations and touch them in a special way. Is this a decreasing problem or an increasing problem? It's an increasing problem. I don't know if we were able to spot that PowerPoint in there. Awesome. I'd like to walk with you through some of the slides today. But we will focus today more on Ukraine and Moldova. You know why we're doing what we're doing among the orphans? Because the Lord has touched the life of my wife. And her story has motivated us. You know, it's a story inside the house. It's an in-house, you know, story. 
It's not a book that we read. It's not something that we saw others doing. 20 years ago when we started ministering to these, you know, unreached, un, unengaged with the gospel, groups of kids, we realized if we don't teach them the gospel, if we don't reach out to them. But how do you do that when you have communist party in power? How do you do that when a communist president is in power? How do you do that? The Lord has opened some amazing doors for us to be able to go in and share the good news of the gospel inside orphanages. And I'd like to ask my wife to share just shortly her story that motivated us so much to be able to be involved in this ministry with the orphans. And especially these kids that are at most risk of trafficking. The Spirit of the Lord is on us. He anointed us to preach the gospel with the poor, broken, oppressed and some of them are definitely children. Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Marina, as uh, your pastor mentioned. I was born in Ukraine. I was born in the city called Nikolaev. Um, I had, I had a, like family as our people have, mother, father, oldest brother and me. And uh, when I was probably three years old, um, my parents, they got divorced because my father, he was using a lot of alcohol. So my mom, she didn't want to raise her kids seeing all of that. And um, she was trying to work hard to be able to raise children by her own. And um, because her sister, she was married in uh, Moldova with a Moldovan man. She called her and she told, I know that it's hard for you to alone to raise two kids so maybe you will move to Moldova and uh, we will be closer and we can help each other uh, it was hard decision because we had all our friends uh, and part of the family in Ukraine but we decided to move and um, after the, we moved um, and lived in Moldova for two years my mom discovered that she has a cancer um, it was hard of, uh, for me to accept that. Um, and I think um, that was the moment when um, God started to work in my life. Because from that moment on, on, every day I started to pray to Lord. And I was praying that he will give life to my mom. After doctors made surgery, they told that she will live a month, but... I think because of the prayer of the, a child, she lived five years. And um, I still remember the day when she died um, because it was the day when I understood that I am alone and uh, nobody will love me. There is no more person who will care for me. So... I was really upset with God because um, I was asking him too many questions. Why? And um, after several months, a local church from the town where I live, they invited me to, to go to a youth camp. So I accepted their invitation. And... Um, there in that camp, uh, on one at the, one of the evenings, pastor was saying such words like, uh, "If you don't have anybody to care for you, 
God can be that one. He can be your father. He can be your mother. So those words were for me. And that was the moment when I invited Jesus in my life. And that was the moment when my life changed. And um, now looking back, I understand that God had a special plan for me and for my life. I was born in Ukraine, so now I understand what people from Ukraine are going through. It's my motherland, and I also like suffer in my heart for the people from Ukraine. So... It helps now to work with Ukrainian refugees. Looking back and seeing, asking why God took my mom, I understand now because uh, we are working with orphan children. And I know and I feel and I understand what they are feeling, what they are going through. So God has a special plan for each life. Sometimes maybe we don't understand why. But um, as a person from church told me, when you're going through some maybe problems in your life, that means that God wants to take you to the next level of your faith. So now when I have maybe some problems or going through tough moments in my life, I'm always saying to God, okay, God, what do you want to learn me this time? So... Just allow Lord to work in your life and just remember that nothing is uh, without sense in our life. Everything has a plan because God has a plan for our lives. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. This situation in Ukraine has, we didn't choose it. It chose us. We have not expected that the situation is going to turn out like that in Ukraine. But with war, there are more orphans than ever before. With war, we have more pastors who are shot on their back than ever before. As they were trying to evacuate people from Ukraine. We've gone through, you know, through this, you know, tragedy of losing our fellow friends and fellow brothers. Who've been trying to load up buses full of women and kids to evacuate them out of the war zone. And from somewhere, snipers... Or shooting them in their backs. Wives would send us messages saying, brothers, sisters, pray for us. We lost another fellow warrior in Christ. Maybe you don't hear that. But there are multiple pastors who actually were shot dead trying to evacuate people. They are our heroes. As we've been, you know, working, going to the borders of Moldova and Ukraine, and more and more people have been coming in. By the way, Moldova was actually mentioned in the USA Today as a small country, the poorest country on the continent, who took more refugees per capita than any other country since Second World War. This is the largest by far a refugee crisis that we've had, you know, since Second World War. And it's yet not over. What do, uh, what do we do with them? You know, for Ukrainian people today, 
the message that the church is sending to them by being there at the borders, just loving on them and being there with them in the toughest moment of their life. Let's uh, look at some of these pictures that we have for you. Uh, this is the reality that we live every day. We came, uh, let's do one more, thank you. One more, one more, thank you. Look at this. This is the reality of their cities. This is the reality of their towns. And, uh, you know, just vehicles piled up after the tanks with just, you know, or missiles would hit in car, you know, just vehicles full with moms and babies, car seats that literally, I mean, they burned as they were driving, trying to run out of the cities to safety. This is horrible. And this is city after city, town after town. There's civilians, they have nothing to do with anything and anybody that, you know, is trying to clear any kind of accounts. War is evil. Our Jesus is the King of Peace. Amen. He has not started a war. Jesus is the one who came to save us, to give his, give his life for us. And, you know, look at what people do to people. But we are called as church to step up for these people and help them get out of that trouble into safety. Look at some of the other pictures that we have. These realities of children stuck at the borders. We've been right there at the borders since the first day we saw, you know, on the news that Russia stepped into Ukraine. We drove with Marina to the, to the airport and we realized actually it's a, you know, it's a closed space. So airspace being closed. Now we, and then we drove straight to the Ukrainian border and we, we said, look at each other. And we said, Marina, we got to do something to help these kids and these moms. Because, you know, little bags, uh, carry-ons and, you know, backpacks, that's all they were able to pull, uh, pull out of their homes. And crossing the border, the first thing that they would see, they were seeing the local churches welcoming them in. For 52, first 52 days, there were no Red Cross. There was no UNHCR. There was nobody to help. It was only the evangelical church. We were able to mobilize ourselves so fast to be able, you know, we set up tents, uh, transportation logistics, uh, places for them to sleep. Our, the women in the churches were cooking day and night, taking shifts. They are our heroes. And also inside Ukraine. We would get messages saying, Pastor, please come, save us. And because men were not allowed to, tra to travel from one place to the other, otherwise they would be pulled out of, the, of their vans or cars, who would go? Pastor's wives. Pastor's wives got into the car and would go into the forest. On one side is Ukrainian army. On the other side is Russian army. And here you have a, a line of villages. Who would go in there? were the pastor's wives. They are my heroes. Amen? Amen. Amen. Because behind a great man is a greater wife. And we are so proud of pastor's wives. They got in those vehicles and they would drive to the, to the border and I get a message or a phone call. Hey, Pastor Oleg, the person is here or the family is here or the mom and the kids is here. They are here. 
and to be able to welcome them in a loving way. It was like, wow, we did not even expect. And it went through all the you know, social, social networks in Ukraine. When you cross the border and you go to Moldova, because Moldova has the longest border with Ukraine on the west side. So Moldova, beside Poland, was the number two, let's call it, the number two destination for Ukrainians. More than a million Ukrainians crossed the border. And imagine, all of them went through the help of local churches. It was impossible in the beginning. We said, Lord, this task is bigger than what we can handle. We'd never learn, we've never learned. We never were involved in this emergency relief you know, areas. We had to discover how to help these refugees as we were going through it. But God was with us. He protected us. As we were taking also food inside Ukraine. Look at more pictures right here. I'd like to show you. You know, look at this and more. You know, people were flooding, going, running for safety. Moms and babies. Mostly only moms and babies. Why? Because men are not allowed to cross the border. But Ukrainian government is not allowing men. So if you have two children, one child, pregnant wife, they are not going to let you go. And just how horrible it is just to look at those men right on the borderline. They're just pushing their wife. They're pushing their kids, giving them a hug and a kiss. And they say goodbye. They, know, they, they, they don't know if they'll be able to see them. Well, our, our, our desire was to be able to provide the basics, you know, to meet the basic need of these Ukrainian moms and kids. The number one issue with human trafficking is the vulnerable women and vulnerable children. And this war has created more than 5.5 million refugees of known refugees. Many were running through forests, through the fields, not even registered. They just ran for their safety. And as they go, what do they discover? What do they find? Where do they go? That's why local church is the hope of the world. Amen? Come on, let's... Amen? Jesus and the local church is the hope of the world. Amen? Amen? Look at somebody and say, you are the hope of the world. I know, maybe you're, you know, you're kind of a, come on, come on. You are the hope of the world. Jesus in you, with you together, is the hope of the world. He's anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor, broken, oppressed, people with broken hearted, and all of these women, broken and oppressed running for safety to save their children. Some of them have spent days and weeks in the cellars with nothing. And they, when they would get out of their, you know, days of traveling from, you know, just hopping from one van to the other, one bus to the other, just to get to the borders of Moldova. And here you are with the people of God welcoming them and saying, my country, your country. My home, your home. My God, your God. That was something that is like, wow. They would actually stop at the borders. And the government, you know, volunteers would come. About 55 days later, they showed up. And they would say, oh, we want to take you to these government shelters. They would say, no, no, no. Is there a church here? Are there volunteers of the church? And we were in the tents offering them meals. Offering them, you know, supplies. All in the name of Jesus, they would hear us, how we scream out, hey, a hot meal for you, or coffee, or tea, or 
some fruit or some toys for children. Something to bring at least some kind of an expression of love of Christ. In some kind of a way to bring some smile on the faces of those children. Because they are experiencing a post-war traumatic syndrome. They are not able to sleep in the night. They are hearing all the bombing. They are hearing all these, you know, siren. They, 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 they need that. And we were right there. Saying, yes, we are the church here. Take me. Take me to your church. If you can drive. Hey, do you have your volunteers that can drive me to the capital city? And we would drive them. My son was one of the drivers to take refugees. My daughters were right there helping distribute the food. My wife, she evacuated, you know, 22 buses just of single moms with kids. Not single, but I mean, you know, uh, without husbands. You know, just being able to get out, out of Ukraine to go to a safe place. And I thank them, you know, as we together with other churches and other ministries are able to be able to do that. Ukrainian crisis brought a lot of walls down, denominational walls. Today as never before, we're able to work with other churches and other denominations without being bothered who is who. It is Jesus, it's Christ alone who brings us together. This is amazing. We've been able to put together this alliance of churches and organizations and not fight with each other, but work with each other. You know, not bite each other, but build each other in Jesus' name and proclaim the good news of the gospel to the poor, broken, and oppressed. Why? Because the Spirit of the Lord is on them as it is on us. Amen? And we want this, Ukrainian moms and kids, know that the church is a safe place. Know that the people of God are united. You know, government, our president, she came to us and she recognized the fact that, that there is a great value in the church. She sent a letter to us a couple of weeks ago. And we get this letter, and I'll show you this in a, in a second, where she is recognizing that. Let's just watch a couple of these, uh, a, a couple of these videos and photos. Church, thank you so much for all the generosity that you've expressed to the people of Ukraine. This is our joy. This is our desire to be able to bring Jesus to these people. Food, you know, being, food distribution has been a big need. Lots of moms. Just in one day at one of these sites, we get about 1,300 moms that show up with the kids. And they need basic food. They need basic supplies. They need that. And this, actually, this site where you see my son there, my daughters, Sophie is the one of the number one volunteer there. She is distributing you know, she's helping, and she is just right there the whole day on her, you know, feet. She is doing a great job, and moms love her. You know, they bring their own daughters, and they say, can they line up and help Sophie to, as well? And you can see a bunch of kids, you know, helping distribute. Ukrainian kids and Moldovan kids, you know, serving the refugees. Isn't that amazing? That's how God touches their hearts. One of the things that they, we, when we asked for 
you know, the Lord, where, exact, where else we can be involved in helping these refugees. We get a phone call from the Communist Party. Now, these atheists and communists, they called us and said, you know what? We know New Hope. We've been working with you guys. My wife has been training their social workers and how, you know, we've been doing some leadership trainings for them, how to be a servant leader, not a top-down leader. And this is really a journey of years of building trust, even if it is communist, without compromising on our Lord and our values. We've been just bringing light in their midst. So they called us and said, we ran out of resources, out of supplies. Can you step up and take one of these distribution centers that has about 2,000 moms? And I'm like, Two, a couple of things I want to ask you if you want to kind of get a deal. One, we're going to do everything, give away in the name of Jesus. Second, we're going to have openly Bibles in Russian, Ukrainian, and kids' Bibles, and we'll give it all away. And third, we're going to open air, pray with moms, you know, 300, 500 moms. We'll pray with them, and we'll have kids, and we'll have Bible stories, and we'll just enjoy time with them. And they said, take it. Praise the Lord. And now two times a week... Two times a week, we pray with all those moms. We, you know, we share the good news of the gospel. We put the word of God in the hands of those people that they take that, you know, that Bible or that New Testament or that kid's Bible. They put it in it and they say to us, this is going to be the best guide in my life wherever I go. That's what God does. It's only God. Let's see a couple other uh, stories and pictures. So today we're at the distribution center. And another 300 moms and babies are going to receive food. These are basic supplies of food. We have rice, we have uh, pasta, uh, corn, uh, flour, wheat flour, uh, hygienic supplies, shampoos and toothbrushes, toothpaste. People are getting a voucher. And then what they do with that voucher, they come, they get in line and receive it in the name of Jesus. And at the end of the line, after they got what they needed, they received a new testament. So we're so thankful you two guys for supporting us in this with your prayers and your generous support and your finances. Thank you. There's no food bank that will allow us to take any food. There are grocery stores are not giving away. It's illegal to give away food. Yeah, it is illegal. I mean, they have to destroy it. They can give a discount on it, you know, 50%, 70%. And then they have to destroy. So we have no other access but just to find vendors who understand the need and are open-hearted to be able to help. And we buy that all of these supplies that you just saw on the video. But this is possible only because of generosity of churches and people like you. And they know when we have an American team show up and we pray with those volunteers or we pray with those moms where we are at the borders, Ukrainian moms say, thank you, God, for American church. Because American church has been so generous and so helping. Thank you, church. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your generosity. Appreciate you so much. And we look forward to be able to have not only your financial support, but also boots on the ground. We need you. Come and help us. Come and bless these moms. If you, if you are a nurse, come, we need you. If you are a carpenter, come and we need you. If you know how to teach ESL, we need you. If you know how to play with kids, we need you. Tell me what you can do. We need you. We need you there. If you know how to distribute food and just love on people in the name of Jesus, we need you.
please come. You know, one of the things that we do, we do not raise money, we raise people. We are after people's hearts more than anything. That's why my number one call. I mean, we're very thankful for generosity. But pray and come. Pray and go. Mission will change you. It's always good to give to missions. But it's even better when you go on a mission. Because the Spirit of the Lord is on you. He anointed you to preach the gospel with deeds and words to the broken, to the poor, to the oppressed. Amen? And proclaim the year of God's favor. I can say this. It's so difficult. It is so difficult to be able to share with these Ukrainian moms. Why? Because they don't know if they will see their husbands back. They're not, they, don't, they cannot come back. to. They cannot cross the border to go back to Ukraine. Because otherwise they will not be able to leave. So they have only one shot. They have one opportunity. And one thing that we teach them at these distribution centers is that they should love and forgive their enemies. In 1992, 1994, Moldova had a war with Russia. Russia occupied the eastern part of Moldova like they did to Ukraine in 2014. And I lost my uncles there. Some of my uncles were hanged. Some of my uncles lost their head. We buried them. But anytime when we cross the river and we go into that area of Moldova that is occupied by Russian army, what we see, we, we, we take some of the supplies that we take for the orphanage, let's say bananas, some, you know, some sweets and stuff, and we walk to the soldiers, the Russian soldiers with the automatic guns behind them, the tanks that are right there on the bridges. We look in their eyes and we, see, we say, we want to give it to you in the name of Jesus. Why do you do that? We say behind this outfit of military outfit, there is a soul, there is a human that Jesus died for you. Love your enemies. That's one of the messages that we teach every single time. Is to love, forgive, pray. Many of them pray for the death of Putin. And we say pray for his repentance. Yeah. We don't want another soul in hell. Amen. We don't want another soul. We want him to proclaim Jesus as king and savior of his life. What would that be? How would that be like the king Nebuchadnezzar, isn't it? That God took him on a journey that would, probably none of the kings would ever dream to go. Lose his mind, live among animals, you know. He get out of that and then restore his mind and then become a king who says, there is no other king, there is no other God above God of Israel, of the Jews. Imagine. So we pray, don't, we say, don't pray for the death of, the, of Mr. Putin. Pray for his repentance and pray for peace. I ask you as a church, please continue to pray for peace of Ukraine and peace of Moldova. We are going back next week. We're going back. We're not, we didn't leave to disappear. We're going back. We're taking food supplies into cities like Marina's hometown where missiles are flying over. Where our volunteers, you know, the automatic guns at the, right on the Ukrainian side. You get a car who, you know, opens the door and shoots at our tents. And you don't know exactly who is that, why they do it. Probably because they hate what we do for the moms and the kids. 
But despite all of that, we go. We took filters of water because in that city where Marina was, was born, people did not have water for three months Salty water. I was in the, you know, I went to the, into the restroom and I opened the faucet, you know, just turned on the faucet. And I got my, my, just some water on my face and it got on my lips and it's salty. People cook with salty water. So we took those filters and the city sent us a thank you note and a request for a thousand water filters. God is opening some doors we do it with the local church in that town. It's a Baptist church, but we are going to do with it because the pastor is so convinced he's going to be there for the sake of people. And we want to be alongside the local church. We're going to bring the food. We're going to bring the Bibles. We're going to bring the filters. We're going to be there standing with him as long as the Lord allows. Amen. Amen. I think Ukraine is not on your news anymore that much. It's somewhere on the ninth or 20th page. You have to really seek for it. But this, the war is still continuing. And we have a lot more refugees that are yet to come. In one way, it's such a tragedy. But on the other hand, we have never seen lines, lines of thousands of people, you know, that we pray with them. We give them something in the name of Jesus. And we offer them a kid's Bible as we walk. But their cars and, the win you know, their windows open up and say, hey, please, a bottle of water. Hey, pray for me. Oh, may I have also a Bible? May I have a kid's Bible? It's such a, an, you know, such an unusual way for us. You don't have to chase them. They're right there. Let's look at a couple more pictures on the slides. Are you bored with me? No, I don't think so. Okay. If you're not bored, if you're bored, you say, hey, pastor, this is it. We go home. Okay. But you know what? I'll preach until the last person is here. So you kind of <laughs> hang out, you know, hang in there, please. Um, all I need is that people in the back just show me when time is up, okay, because I can go on and on. I have so much to share. Uh, there is Muslims, Muslims crossing the border. And, you know, you imagine Muslims, you know, flood, I mean, just lots of them, Jews and Muslims and atheists, you know, coming and hearing and listening, having their kids play you know, and hearing the Bible stories, receiving the help. Some of them, you know, would sleep on a cardboard. And we would come and say, well, we can, how about we help you with a bunk bed, you know, and a mattress so you can, kids can sleep on a, on a soft and a clean place. And just to walk in and put together. And I know your hands can do it, you know, to put together some bunk beds, some furniture. Some of the kids are going back to school and We've been just blessed to, uh, you know, be part of the uh, Calvary uh, Santa Ana. They are VBS. And we spoke to the children. And their kids have collected pennies that are going to go for helping kids of Ukraine and Moldova with school supplies. But we need, these moms, they need food. They need formula, baby formula. They need diapers. They need something that, you know, it's basic. And we come and we share that. But also they open up for our Jesus and to receive it in the name of Isa, that's something special. People from Tajikistan, people from Kyrgyzstan, people from Azerbaijan, people who worked in, you know, in Ukraine, and now they are refugees in Moldova. And we have an opportunity to share the gospel with these Muslims who are in their country probably. They would have not heard, or not have, would have not paid attention. So look at this, having time with kids, investing in them, having time to invest in moms. 
One of the craziest things that we did recently was, how about we do a camp? And I'd like to share with, you know, ask my wife to come and share a little bit about this camp. The camp, uh, the title of the camp, Braveheart. And I know she's got a brave heart, and uh, she's been so good to these moms. We'll share a couple of words about it. So um, the main goal of the camp was to help this lady and ladies and kids just to forget uh, for three days about the war, about what they went uh, through. And because uh, many of these kids, they have some trauma because they were hearing the like bombs and everything so they would uh, wake up in the middle of the night and they will start to scream so we did we did a camp uh, called braveheart braveheart why because these women they are brave they went in a other country with no husbands just kids they went with what they could could take with them, so not, not a lot. They were brave just for their kids, so they will be escaped. So in, in that camp, we spoke about brave people from the Bible, such as Esther, such as uh, David, and other people. And we tried them to understand that Jesus can help us to be brave and strong, no matter what is happening in our lives. And it was amazing to see and to hear from the moms that their kids started to smile. Their kids started just to not talk about the war. And also it was nice to see those moms crying and accepting Jesus in their hearts. Thank you. Thank you, Marina. So ladies, how about you come and help my wife to do a brave heart camp for Ukrainian moms and kids? What would that look like? It doesn't really take much, you know. Uh, there is direct flights from L.A. Uh, to, uh, you know, Frankfurt, Germany, or, you know, closer Vienna. And then from there, it's just hopping in a different plane in an hour and you are in Moldova. And it's just such an opportunity to be able to pour into those kids and moms, you know, and help them learn about the Bible, have fun, workshops, teach, you know, the kids the Word. Kids had a lot of fun there. But to see those smiles on their faces... It's big. One, uh, a group of moms, right before we left Moldova, came uh, and uh, they wrote this letter to us. Uh, this letter has a bunch of signatures right here. So from a group of moms yeah, from Odessa. You've heard of Odessa city. Yeah, it's a port. Uh, they are now, just now, today or yesterday, started evacuating that wheat. 20 mil 40 million pounds of wheat were locked up on the sea. That is going to go to the, nor the, the northern horn of Africa. So anyway, those moms, they wrote this letter where they say huge thank you to uh, the New Hope team for the a, a lot of help that you're providing to Ukrainian refugees. With, a, grat with a, uh, a very thankful heart, we receive it. Our kids have been impacted by the big and full of light smiles that you've provided to them and shared with them. Your you people of God have a lot of light in your faces and your smiles. Huge thank you for that. May God bless you and give you health and peace. Huge thanks. A lot of thanks from Bodnar, Kalichenko, Zinchenko, Tiberetskaya, 
and so on, moms from Odessa. This is the testimony you want to hear, isn't it? It's all for the glory of Christ. He's anointed you to preach the gospel to the poor, broken, and oppressed, and proclaim the good, yeah, the, good, the year of God's favor in their life. And I know it's very difficult to think that way. What a favor. No, there is no favor. But it is. God is extending His grace to these moms and kids by bringing them to a safe place, to the churches of Moldova that can help them and protect and provide and share. Let's watch one more video if uh, we can clear. Our friends, this is Oleg and Marina. We're so thankful to you guys for your partnership, for your prayers, for your support. We're honored today to let you see this. This is a letter from our president, a letter of recognition that has been sent to New Hope for all the work that New Hope has been doing through all these times since the beginning of the war in Ukraine. We are part of an alliance. It's not a work of one man. It's not a work of one organization. It's a work of a team, of churches, of NGOs, and it's your results, your generosity, your prayers. This is all for the glory of God and for the people of these moms, for the, for the good of these moms and the children from Ukraine at the shelters, at such a distribution center like we are right now. We're distributing food, hygienic supplies, and the New Testaments. We're so thankful to you for your partnership. May the Lord bless you. Keep praying, keep giving, and keep coming. Greetings from New Hope Eurasia, from Moldova and Ukraine. God bless. Thank you. Thank you, church. We appreciate you so much. This is the effort of the multitude, of God's family. And when I accepted the Lord, I did not know how big is the family of Christ. Because we were persecuted, we had to hide. But when I tra started traveling, I realized how big, how beautiful, how awesome is the family of Christ. It's so diverse. It's so generous. It's so powerful. We need you. Come. Get your luggage ready. Get your boots on the ground. Get out of your comfort zone. Beautiful California. Come and experience the beautiful Moldova. Come and experience the beautiful people that need Jesus. They need you. They need that special touch. And remember, the Spirit of the Lord is on you. He will empower you. He will give you the words. You may think, how in the world am I going to be able to do it? He will resource you. Let's do it together. Because only together we can do much more. Amen? Hey, shout it out. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, we have a table right there with some chocolates from Moldova. We have one of our newsletters that you can get. One of our pictures you can put. And a tattoo. A tattoo. A tattoo. You can get a tattoo. We're going to be one Ukrainian. of those churches, the tattooing churches. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, the Ukrainian flag. so he's got the temporary tattoo, but we'll get somebody back there if you want to get a permanent. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I, I, so uh, I wanted to say one thing. You know, um, after World War II, General Douglas MacArthur, when he landed in Japan, uh, you know, the Japanese were actually quite afraid of the retribution that would come. Mm. But he actually just started forgiving them. And uh, he made a call out for 10,000 missionaries. Do you think 10,000 missionaries showed up in Japan? They didn't. I mean, missionaries showed up, but it wasn't 10,000. And, and uh, Japan today is, 
is uh, really considered unreached mm -hmm. as far as the population of Christians. And I will say there's special times and seasons, not that we capitalize on pain or suffering, but certainly God has created the church for such a place and a time to meet people where they're at and share the gospel with them and uh, meet some of those needs. And, and I will say that maybe you can start praying that God would raise up workers. Maybe some of you are some of those workers, but there's a special season and uh, there's an opportunity uh, as Oleg is giving the invitation to really consider, hey, maybe I will go spend a few weeks in Moldova serving and ministering, or I can start praying for that, or for God to open a door. And you might even think, like, I don't even know how that would be possible, but you were telling me that you guys need medical missions. I mean, you need kind of everything under the sun there. Yes. Uh, so, <laughs> so, uh, so I, I would just really want to, I, I really want to impress upon you to start praying for the workers. And if, if God's stirring your heart this evening, you start praying for that, and uh, we'd love to see you go and pray over you. And then if you want to give a love offering, and of course we have many who are watching at home, uh, if you want to give a love offering, just put new hope on it. And uh, again, if you're at home and you want to bring it on Sunday, we will get it over to Oleg and to New Hope, and uh, you can hear more about that. Let me go ahead and close in prayer. We're running over a little late, and I'm sure the Sunday school is... No, we're happy, but the Sunday school probably isn't. So, <laughs> but, uh, but we're going to pray for you and for your family, and uh, we're just so excited that, and, and privileged that you came here tonight. I know tomorrow morning your family's leaving at 3 a.m. on a flight to Texas, so... Uh, so we want to pray for you. We really appreciate you. Lord God, Father, we thank you. I just thank you so much for my dear brother. I pray, Lord, that you just continue to put your anointing upon him and his whole family, all those dear Christian workers. We thank you, Lord, not only for the testimony to the mothers and the children, but, Lord, to the whole country. Lord, that the president would acknowledge, wow, we need these Christians. What a difference they make in our land. And so, Lord God, we pray that you continue to raise up a next, the next generation of Christians, all, each and every child that comes through uh, and gets help and aid, Lord God. We pray, Lord, that you would win them. We thank you for the special opportunity, but, Lord, we also ask for the strength. We pray, Lord God, that you give strength to Marina and Oleg, their, all their children, to endure such a time like this, to help. Lord, that they might have energy, Lord, that you also might minister to their family. We thank you, dear God, and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I couldn't stop thinking about 1 Peter 2.9. This call is not because you are an American or a Chilean. The call to respond to the call of the Lord is because we are a chosen race, royal priesthood, and a holy nation. We are part of something special. We are, we are part of something much bigger than this. And that's why we praise the Lord, right? Because government keep failing, presidents keep failing. But this Lord that we proclaim, he will never fail us. So go home, think about it, pray to the Lord. Find somebody else to preach the gospel out there to your neighbor. And the Lord bless you.